Today's episode of the Close Quarter Dad podcast is a recording from the 2022 Child Safety Summit. It's the keynote presentation given by Amber L. from Fieldcraft Survival. Now, the message that she shares in this presentation is not only inspirational and powerful, but it is a mic drop of truth that every man, specifically every father, must listen to. It is a call to each of us to step into the roles that are expected and that are needed right now more so than ever. There's a ton of information here, guys. You need to pay attention to what's being told here. I want you to read between the lines and hear her message. And what she is saying is something that we all need to hear and answer. Once again, I want to thank her for the support that she gave in the powerful presentation that you're about to hear at our first Child Safety Summit. I'm looking forward to hopefully having you attend the 2023 summit in September. If you're interested in doing that, it's going to be a three-day roundtable with the top authors, experts, and speakers in the space of child safety, in the different areas of child safety, and how you as a father can work towards teaching, training, and raising your children with confidence and resilience. So without further ado, let's turn it over once again to hear the incredible keynote presentation from Miss Amber L. from Fieldcraft Survival. Welcome to the Close Quarter Dad podcast, discussions about raising your kids with confidence, safety, and resilience. I'm your host, Adam Mitchell, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the summit. I am so excited to be with you here today. Um, if you're not familiar with me, my name is Amber L. And I am first and foremost a mother to three precious, incredible, very vivacious, very challenging in the best of ways children. Um, I homeschool them. We maintain a small little homestead here together. Um, I'm a single mom. And so I have had to figure out how to safeguard my children and my family in a way that may be very unique. Um, but the reason that I am here with you today is not specifically just because of that role that I play, but because of the role that I also play with a company called Fieldcraft Survival as their director of family preparedness. So that is a very unique title. That's what I hear from a lot of people whenever I tell them about what I do and who I am. And you're right, it is a very unique title. And it was created with a very unique purpose and for a very unique reason. Um, and that being that the family unit was slipping through the cracks when it came to preparedness and self-reliance. Um, at the start of COVID, I saw the panic that was just wreaking havoc across the world, especially through the moms and the families that I communicated with regularly um, in my close circle. Everybody felt very paralyzed. They felt like every decision that they were making um, and every, um, every thought process that they were having was all done through a lens of fear. And we saw that, right? We saw the panic purchasing of toilet paper. Um, the, the, the fear of a novel virus was very real, but the fear, um, uh, the action that followed that fear in saying, okay, I will buy toilet paper and then that will give me a sense of security to make it through this very challenging and confusing season. That was a manufactured fear and it wasn't actually creating any sort of safeguard or um, helping with their self-reliance in any capacity. And so 
I saw the, the paralyzation and then I saw the manufactured fears, the actions and the thoughts all happening through a lens of fear. I was raised very rural. I still live very rural, um, but my father and my mother raised my brothers and I to have a very can-do attitude and to know that we could always figure out a solution to a problem and that we just needed to make sure that we were constantly and actively living a life of preparedness. It wasn't something new and, and it, wasn't, it, it, it also wasn't something antiquated. That was part of our life. It just was. Um, we borrowed things from the past, but we didn't subscribe exclusively to that, right? We created a life um, that, that really served what we needed in this day and age, in this season, life is constantly shifting and ebbing and flowing. The looks of your family, the needs of your family and your children, they will also ebb and flow depending on the age, depending on what that looks like. You know, for me, it was transitioning from married life into single life and how those needs changed. And so the fluctuation, um, and the fact that life is not, does not move linearly in that fashion, um, is difficult, but when you threw COVID on top of that, it was paralyzing. And that is that is the very best word I could use for what I saw in the world. And the reason I'm telling you this is to give you the perspective behind why, why it was that this role, I think foundations are very important. And so why this role that I play was ever founded. And, and it was because as that paralysis happened and as people realized that bullets and guns were not necessarily all that they needed. Listen, I have my fair share of both, but it wasn't all that they needed to make it through um, what was a catastrophe and what was a crisis for everyone globally, not something anybody predicted or prepared for in the way that it happened um, and not something that the family unit was prepared for. But that lifestyle of preparedness that I I had been reared in not the bunker mindset, but the skill set. You are capable. Live a life of self-reliance and empowerment and view things through the lens of possibility and empowerment rather than paralysis. That changed things. That allowed me to thrive. That allowed me to have peace in the midst of something that was very chaotic. And so I brought that to social media in a very small way. Um, And I connected through Fieldcraft Survival in that way, teaching my friends med skills, teaching my friends um, the nutritional benefits of the food that they could grow in their backyard, whether that was an urban garden or a rural garden, Um, teaching them how to safeguard their family and how to teach their children to be situationally aware so that as the riots were breaking out in very urban areas, They didn't have to live in fear when they were passing through um, the cities that that something tragic could happen and they wouldn't be ready. They wouldn't notice it. I mean, those those um, anticipations are still there, but it wasn't the, the paralyzing effect of the fear. They felt ready. Their children had code words. They knew how to communicate to them if they felt like they were in an unsafe situation. I also am a registered nurse. I have a bachelor's of science in nursing. And so while I do not work in a hospital setting, I could still use the physiological education I had received about understanding the body, um, understanding immunity, understanding the pathogenic process, and to just really help encourage and highlight what we are capable of instead of focusing on what we are not capable of. And so 
That is how my role came about. Fieldcraft was a very tactical company. We are owned by a veteran special operations warrior who spent 20 years of his life serving our country and who is a very alpha male. And so I understand, and I have worked with so many men at this point that I understand that innate desire and ability to protect the family, what that looks like, and honestly, what value that brings to the table. But as a woman who also was raised to be prepared, I know that my skill sets are also very unique. And I know that when I bring those to the table, I can also serve my family and my children, whether that's on my own or whether that's part of a collective unit as a community. And I'm speaking to you who may have partners in your life, whether that is a spouse or a sister or a mother or somebody who is helping you along in this process of being a father, of fatherhood. And I want to let you know that you're not always called to exclusively be a savior. They may not need you to save them. They may need you to just see them. And so I want you to really, really be proud of the innate capabilities you have to serve your family as a protector, um, but also don't negate, don't let that negate the capacity of your family to also be such an asset and never a liability. They should never be viewed as a liability and they might need you to be the leader that sees it in them and encourages it in them. And so what I'm going to do today over the next 25 minutes or so is to, to give you solutions and to give you practical steps to help you do that and to also help you understand the strengths and skill sets that a woman can possess and children can possess. Um, I, I love that I get to do this job because I I make the joke a lot that I'm very unassuming, right? I'm not the woman, I'm 5'2". I'm not the woman that walks in the room and you think, she is tactical. And so it doesn't have to be tactical. And I think that's where the dichotomy of this belief comes into so many families and really inhibits their ability to work as a family unit is that they believe it has to look a certain way. I want you to choose today to shatter the narratives of what that looks like. I don't fit a narrative. I don't. I create my own. And that is why I feel so empowered in my own life, in my own running my own personal security. When I'm out with my friends, when I'm with my children, when I'm training my children to be the same way. And I really hope I can bring that to the table for you here today so that you can understand how to go back to your family and to bring that same mindset and to help them understand that there's no narrative that you're living by. You're living by a blueprint for your family that you will create and that you will lead the charge. You will lead the way. They need to see that in you because that is something that you have an innate strength and capacity for, but you will also encourage it alongside you in each of them, whomever that may be. Okay, so. I am a very practical application-based person. I like steps, I like PDFs, I like roadmaps to get where I'm going. Everything I do is very systematic. I um, have helped to create a women's self-defense course that we now run across the country. We have put hundreds of women's through, women's, we have put hundreds of women through it, and it's an incredible course. Um, 
And so I have a lot of perspective on what works for the mind, what works for helping the mind to control the body, what helps for creating and safeguarding your family um, in a way that's not creating fear, but is also um, helping to inject just the right amount of fear in order to train your family through basic trainings. I hope that makes sense. It probably will once we dive more into the logistics of it. But um, what I'm saying is I'm bringing a lot of data to the table at this point to tell you what I've seen working. The first thing, the first priority, any of you, no matter what your situation looks like, in order to help create this culture of safety in your family, I've called it a blueprint over and over again because I think blueprint's the perfect word. Blueprint um, is a skeletal outline. It's not the exact logistics. It's something that you, you, um, you add to, you enhance, you add the meat to it. Um, it's just there to help you create a framework, but it's very specific and unique to you and your family. And so I love the word blueprint and I encourage you to think of it as that, as blueprinting your family's um, umbrella of safety. And so the first step in this, the first step in any new venture together as a family is communication. It's not watching a dozen YouTube videos having an expectation of your family and then trying to run with it. It's not going to work. And I hope some of you are laughing right now because you're like, I definitely tried that and it absolutely doesn't work. I came in like a bull in a china cabinet. I had these false expectations of what my family would look like. Um, you know, even, even contrasting maybe where your wife may be today with the things I'm saying to you, no. Never do that. Never compare. She just hasn't had the conversation with you yet. That's not something that she um, has a focus on. It doesn't mean she doesn't have this amazing capacity to do it and possibly even do it better than I do it, depending on her skill sets. It just means the conversation hasn't evolved there yet. So be careful with your expectations because I know you can watch all of these things and you can feel very behind and you can feel, um, you can feel very, a lot of angst when you look at the future of where the country is headed and very polarizing things happen and you feel very ill-prepared, um, we only know what we know, right? And our experiences and the way we were raised and the things we've seen and the things we've heard and the things we've endured, they all lend themselves to what we believe and what we focus on. And guess what? I was just lucky and blessed to have a mother and a father who raised me in that capacity. I wouldn't think about these things. I wouldn't teach on these things. I wouldn't serve in this role if they hadn't. And that, um, that doesn't make me any better than anybody. Just like it doesn't make anybody that you see on these videos or you read on these posts, it doesn't make them any better than you. And, um, and you have very unique abilities and skill sets as well. You just have to begin honing them. You have to begin having those conversations. And so keep the expectations down. You're not behind. You're right where you need to be. And if you're here today, it means you're taking a very powerful step in reclaiming that for your family, whatever your family unit looks like, okay? I sit here today speaking to you as a single mother. And so if you are a single father, I hope you know that you can still create what you envision as far as a culture of safety for your family, even if it's on your own, even if it's on your own. 
your story is exactly what it needs to be because it's yours. And so we will work on evolving that today in a very bespoke way because it's your blueprint. Okay. So conversation, you have to evaluate what your family believes. I know I'm speaking to a wide range of of age groups here when it comes to your children. You may have infants, you may have toddlers, you may have elementary school children, you may have high schoolers, you have young adults. They have heard and seen things in this world. You don't get to form their opinions for them. That's the beauty of autonomy. Oh, it's so hard sometimes. You can't control what they think. You can help steer it in a healthy direction, but you can't control it. However, you have to be aware of what it is. And so communication, I know this seems like the easiest step. It's the hardest because everybody wants to be very action-based. They want to buy products. They want to go to trainings. They want to shoot things that are loud. I love all of those things, (laughs) but you have to start with the communication first. So it's not as sexy as the other things, but it's free and all it requires is your time. And it's a powerful step. So start there. You are going to have to form healthy communication in your family. You have to know what they believe. You have to know what they're scared of. We just had a horrific school shooting happen here in the United States, in Uvalde, Texas. I grew up deer hunting there, tiny community. I can only imagine how much it shook the very core of that town. Not only that, but our country as well. It shook up the political realm. We are now having and hearing polarized conversations constantly through ignorant lenses, through uneducated lenses, through misinformed lenses about how firearms and the regulation of those would solve this problem. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what your belief about that is. It matters that your family is hearing these things as well. So this is just an example. How do you offset the frustration that you will feel if you are very pro self-protection through the second amendment and the use of firearms, but you have a teenage daughter who feels very differently than you. Well, do you know why she feels different? Have you had conversations with her about the stories her friends have told her and the false narratives she's created through the conversations she's had, what she's seen on the news and the things she's heard in whatever education system she may be in, in whatever friend group she may be in. She knows that you have not taken into perspective what her opinion is, and she also knows that she has autonomy and the right to her opinion and her feelings. And so that could also be your spouse. That could be your partner and her bringing home information from her work environment or her friends group. And so it's making her think, it's making her head spin. People can be very charismatic, even if their opinion is wrong. And it makes her think, how do you regain common ground? You communicate and you have conversations about it. Guns and bullets are powerful, okay? I have my fair share of them. They don't solve everything. A family on the same sheet of music is powerful and it solves a lot and you have to fight to get there. You have to work to get there. You have to be humble to get there. You have to be consistent to get there. You have to hear them. You have to see your family. and You have to understand why they're coming to you with the things they're coming to you with. I have had so many women come through this course, through the women's self-defense course that I mentioned to you earlier. 
that we run at Field Crop Survival. Shameless plug, if you would love to send your wife to us, we would love to have her. And you can find all of our courses on our website at fieldcraftsurvival.com. Um, I believe in the course. I believe in it um, deeply. But the women that have come through the course have told me, have sat with me and said, I never considered this my role. I never considered myself to be capable of protecting my family. I never considered that I would agree with the concept until you spoke to me in a way that was very gentle and very inviting because I did not throw it in their faces. This is not how I've promoted the course. It's not the angle that I've used as I, I sp speak to women on, on a public setting to involve them and to get their minds thinking. I never shove anything down their throat. I listen to their concerns. I listen to their fears. And then I help them walk through towards a solution. I don't solve their problem for them. We do it together. And through that, they realize that they are capable. And that they're probably capable of a whole lot more than just that. That is the secret sauce, okay? Safeguarding life is everyone's cup of tea. A lot of women think that this lifestyle, this tactical looking lifestyle is not their cup of tea. Safeguarding their family is everyone's cup of tea. And if it isn't, you have a problem that's a lot bigger than what we can solve here today, right? And so what I want you to do is to be able to take that deep breath, take the step back and present this to your family in a way that makes it their cup of tea because it has to be. You can't be everywhere all of the time. Your family needs protection and your family needs to be aware of their surroundings. Your family needs to know what the world is capable of. But more so than that, they need to know what they are capable of. And you are the one who is going to encourage that out of them, edify it out of them, and you are gonna be able to humble yourself enough to be the leader that they need to see that they are capable and to see that this tactical life doesn't have to be so tactical. I like to say that we take the tactical and make it practical. Feel free to use my words if you'd like. Um, so total soapbox, but it's so important for you to understand um, the heart posture with which you need to be approaching this topic with your family, whatever your family may look like. So, in the time we have left, I want to give you some practical and engaging tips to begin the process of safeguarding your family, okay? You have to start with the conversations. Even the nomenclature, meaning the words. If you are speaking to your family about gun safety, what words do they know? What words do they have false narratives about or um, a broken ideology about? What have they been misinformed about? How can you solve that for them? How can you, um, how can you help gently break the stronghold of, of what the world is trying to teach them? That's just not true. It starts with you understanding what they believe about not only the topics, but the words 
the words broken down in that topic um, and the concepts, the basic fundamental concepts of that topic. And that all begins with communication. Everything I'm going to tell you in a minute, it all needs to start with a conversation. And if your family is not regularly having those, if your family doesn't feel safe to open up and speak to one another, you need to start. Communication is going to be the cornerstone of any part of your family's safety. Your family being able to communicate to you that they feel unsafe, your family being able to communicate to you that they have a fear, your family being able to communicate to you that something terrible happened, but they want you to help them through it. It starts with communication. So what I do is I break down the blueprint of family safety into um, five different concepts, okay? And so we have home safety, public safety, personal safety, med safety, and emergency planning. I use those five because I feel like it encompasses most everything you need to begin your family on this journey without completely overwhelming them. Um, and you have to do it in a way that is not overwhelming because the overwhelmed mind says no. And so breaking it down helps you to compartmentalize, helps you to have the conversation revolving around one topic, and then it allows you to then segue into the next topics with being able to reference back um, to the foundations that you set in each of those topics. So for home safety, how does one begin creating a culture of home safety? And I love using the word culture of safety because it, it references it as a lifestyle and something that is deeply ingrained in part of your family um, your family's daily routine and the narrative of your family versus something that you just, you know, would pull off of a shelf on occasion to just remind everybody of. No, it's, a, it's an active, everyday pursuit. That's what it should be. And so home safety includes everything you'd imagine in the home that helps to safeguard your family. A fire safety plan, gun safety, going through the drills of what to do if a fire were to happen and they were on the second floor or the first floor. What to do if they find a firearm that's not locked, whether that's at your house or at their grandmother's house or at the park or in someone's backpack at school. How do they handle that? A home invasion. This is something you go over with your partner, not in a fear-based way. We can't control the world, but we can control ourselves. So if someone were to cross the threshold of our home and they were to come in into the sacred space that you get to be safe in, how do we handle that? Which adult is grabbing which children? Where are you going? What room are you going to? What's the safest room? What word would you use to tell your children it's not safe right now and you need to go to our safe room or they need to be quiet? If you had to have your children um, alert family or alert the authorities as to an emergency, do they know your address? Do they know your phone number? Do they know your blood type? Do they know the GPS coordinates of your home? Do you have a backup means of communication within your home that your children know how to use if they're developmentally able? Can they even unlock your cell phone to make a call if your phone has a passcode on it? Or have you taught them how to bypass the passcode in order to make an emergency call? Very practical things. Very practical things, but things you don't think of unless you start having the conversation about 
okay, well, if this were to happen, not getting too far off in the weeds, you can't account for every circumstance, but you can create an overarching template for what that safety should look like and what it should include. The next thing would be public safety. So <clears throat> this is the, the thing that you hear of more commonly where you are creating code words. Um, you are creating rendezvous points in a store. If you were to get separated, where should they meet you? What adults should they go to? Um, I have this child safety card. It's, I'm not showing you because there's information on it, but it's the shape of a credit card and it has a cutout at the top where you can apply a lanyard. I have these for all of my children and it includes their name, their birthday, um, three, three forms of emergency contacts, their blood type, and any important medical information about them. If I am traveling, if we're out in public, my children carry little EDC um, fanny packs or hip packs or belt packs and their cards are in there. Now, when my older two children could recite my phone number, if they were to get separated from me, I felt great about that, but I still knew that my three-year-old didn't know how to recite my phone number. And so I would be traveling with them alone, you know, going through an airport alone. And my three-year-old knew if she got separated from me that the first thing she did was pull her card out of her bag and show a safe adult. A safe adult, number one, is a mother. Number two is a father. Number three is somebody who is wearing clothing that looks like they might work at that building, um, whether that's a security guard or a store clerk. Um, the reason why I say mother or father is that they are more likely to do everything they can to get that child back to the parent. Whereas an employee, um, they may not actually, or may not need to be around children, first of all, which is not funny in the least bit, but you guys all know what I mean. Um, it, we can't judge them based on the fact that they get to wear a uniform, right? They're not the safest option for our children. And they also may not be that responsible nor care that much about solving the problem. They may be trying to move to their next task. And so knowing that she had that threshold of safety really helped to negate any fear that any of us might've had about getting separated. Of course, no one wants to be separated, but imagine if my three-year-old had no way of communicating this is a method of communication. It's more primitive than a cell phone, but it's a method of communication. And so creating that threshold of safety for being out in public is critical to your family and not just for your kids. If your spouse or your partner is at a store, at a grocery store and she feels threatened, but she doesn't feel like she can say to you that she's threatened, she needs to be able to use a code word as well. If she's out and about with friends and she can't tell you that she's in a a difficult situation and she needs your help, she needs to be able to use a code word to let you know that she needs your help. You need to be able to find her. What parameters do you have in place for your family that um, help to keep everyone accountable for one another? Are you able to locate and track your family? Do you know their whereabouts? Have they communicated to you where they're going? Do you have backup communication? If you are a man who spends a lot of time hunting out in the backwoods, do you have backup communication where you're sending your location back to your family and vice versa for anybody in your family who may be doing the same thing. Um, communication is huge with my children. This is form of communication, right? I can also use um, walkie talkies like two way radios. And then they always carry a small little right in the rain notebook and an ink pen everywhere they go in case they need to record information. So it's very important. Everyday carry items as part of your public safety um, 
threshold of security, your umbrella blanket of security that you're creating for your family. Next is personal safety. That's body safety. You need to figure out what your kids know about what's okay and what's not okay. It's uncomfortable, but you have to have that conversation. You have to be the leader and you have to encourage your family to have open communication about that. You need to help create a safety network for them. My safety network for my children is always five people. And I say five because when you hold up your hand to say stop, that's five fingers. So it reminds them that they're in charge of their body, that this space is their space, and that they're allowed to say stop if and when they have to, and that there are five people that we know and trust who are on our safety network um, plan. And so it's you know a sheet of paper I have each of them have. They fill out the name, or they tell me the name of who is in that safety network. Two of those people are not family members, and it's five people that they trust to talk to if and when they feel like something uncomfortable has happened or could happen. And you want to give them options and you want to let them know that they are a part of a greater community that's there to serve them. So creating a safety network is important. And um, personal safety, body safety, also includes a lot of that art of communication. Um, next is med safety. This is where the fun skills and the gear come into play. I know, I, I know you love your skills and your gear. I love my skills and my gear too. Okay, I won't write it off. And this is where you train your family how to do basic emergency medical care, using a tourniquet, stopping a bleed, why they need to stop a bleed, how to use a chest seal, just as important as a tourniquet, just as important as a basic hemorrhage response kit. You go over why you would need all of these things. You have conversations about if you were to be in, on a bike ride and someone fell off of their bike and got punctured in the chest with a stick, how would you solve that problem? What do we carry on our person to solve that problem? What do you keep in your adventure backpack to solve that problem? Let's learn the skill sets together. You don't have to know everything. That's another thing that you need to remember and it doesn't make you less of a man or less of a person if you don't know all the things. You don't know what you don't know until you know. And so you are taking the steps to know the things that you didn't know about. You weren't taught. You weren't raised knowing. But now's the time to know and learn. And learning together is a beautiful thing. And it not only humbles you, but it teaches you to, tr to show your family that it's okay to be a learner. It's not okay. It's okay to not know all the answers, but you're going to show them how to properly seek them out in a very healthy and educated manner. And that's not through Facebook uh, links. <laughs> it's through actual trainings, actual cited articles, um, and, your, and, and books. You're teaching them how to be learners, and that is a very beautiful thing. Um, and the last is emergency planning. So this is where you'd sit down with your family and you come up with the emergency plans, the bug out bag lists, the food storage lists. Like what do you have in your house in if, if the economy would collapse, you know, to get you through a couple weeks period? What do we want to be better at as a family? Where do we want to grow? Um, do we need to reach out to our community more and figure out who in the vicinity of where we live is has medical training? who um, is a mechanic, you know, who can help us with, with engines if we would need that help, who has a ham radio license and could help us with backup communication if we would need, what is our plan as a family to engage in the community, where could we expand our skill sets as, as being more self-reliant in the realm of food, whether that's 
um, planting a garden at home and doing that together or learning how to purify water together, learning how to start fires together, learning basic knot tying skills together, loading out these bags that we'll keep in case of an emergency, in case we were to have to displace. I live in a very hurricane prone area in the country. And so this was always part of our life. You know, it wasn't bizarre to have an emergency bag ready to go if and when you would need it. Back in March, I spent a week in Poland working with the female, the women, refugees, the families, who all told me, I wish I would have been more prepared. I wish I would have been more prepared. I wasn't ready for this. I wish I would have had a bag with copies of our documents, clothes for my children, diapers for my babies, a map of the area, charger for my cell phone. Very basic things. They wish they would have had that. They don't have the luxury. They didn't have the luxury then of creating it in the last minutes of their time in Ukraine. But we have the luxury of doing that now for ourselves and our families. And so that's where the emergency planning comes into play. So that's my five very practical tips to help you learn how to safeguard your family. Um, and it all begins with the conversation, guys. And that all begins with recognizing your skill sets as a leader your ability to be a leader in your family and how being a leader might look different than you were shown or than, than society tells you to be. Being a leader, like I said before, and I will, I will summarize it and close out by saying this, means that you recognize that your family doesn't need you to save them. They need you to see them. They need you to see them for the asset that they are and they need you to encourage and edify, edify and cultivate that version of themselves. You will be blown away with what your family can achieve, the peace and security that your family can feel together and the bonds that you're going to create as you do this as a unit. As you're not coming in like a bulldozer, you're not coming in with false expectations, you're coming in with the awareness that as a leader, you are called into the role of seeing your family for what they can lend to, the, through, to your family's security and not what they take from it. That's a very, that would be a very stressful job for you to have all by yourself. I hope you feel encouraged today. Um, you can always find me on Instagram at ms.amber.elle to check out a lot more of my family-oriented content. And you can also find me on all things Fieldcraft Survival. I hope you guys enjoy the weekend. Um, I'm very excited for you and I'm very proud of you for being here. It takes so much strength to be the father that you guys are all seeking to be and that I know you are. And I really hope you walk away from this weekend just feeling, I hope you feel, walk away feeling seen yourself. Your role is irreplaceable. The role of men and the role of fathers in this world is absolutely irreplaceable. But I think part of the, part of the irreplaceability of it has been lost in the sense that you were called to lead your family towards being the fullest, richest version of themselves, not saving them. And so I can't wait to hear and see the stories about how all of you are going to be able to do that in your own homes. And that is what changes things, guys. I'm so proud of all of you. Um, and I mean that. I truly mean that. I hope you hear my heart when I say that I'm proud of you. I am proud of you for being here. Um, it's a rare thing. It's a rare thing to find men 
who feel the calling to this role and are actually disciplined, humble, and wise enough to, to listen to that call. But it was always meant for you. Thank you for being here today, sincerely, and thank you guys for having me, and enjoy the rest of your summit. I want to thank you for spending time with us on this episode today. It's truly appreciated. I hope you got some value from it. If you want to go ahead and leave any comments or questions, reach out to me directly. I personally answer all of the questions that you have. If you know someone like yourself who may find value in this episode, then please go ahead and share it. We'd also like to ask you to subscribe to Close Quarter Dad. This way you get updated every time a new episode comes out, wherever you're listening to this episode. Thank you so much once again, and we'll see you on the next episode of Close Quarter Dad.